When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grammys and sold over 200 million records and uh, of course associated with uh, the Winfield Cup it was and uh, the NRL 1993 Grand Final she came and sang it between St George and Brisbane of course uh, Brisbane winning that but uh, league fans uh, I guess around Australia and New Zealand to a certain extent associate Tina Turner with the NRL and that song in particular simply the best so it's uh, a bit of a sad day in that respect uh, but uh, our show will uh, reflect um, other issues this morning, courtesy of Brent, um, the John Deere equipment supplier, experts in agriculture, of course. Uh, today we're going to focus uh, initially anyway on the greyhound industry and uh, the dangers that it faces in terms of, well, winding up. It's as simple as that. Uh, so we're going to talk to Dave Fahey, uh, who is a prodigious trainer of winners uh, with one of the biggest, most successful kennels uh, in New Zealand, greyhound racing history, perhaps. Uh, pacing for purpose, uh, 9.25, we'll give you a horse for that. Uh, we'll open up the lines, how do you feel about the greyhound racing industry, which is uh, interesting in itself, what are your feelings there? Uh, uh, 0800-150811 will be a phone number just after 9.30, get your texts in straight away on that. Uh, also, the Crusaders are announcing their first three inductees into their Hall of Fame tomorrow at a massive luncheon in Christchurch. Uh, we're going to talk to their CEO just after 10 o'clock, Colin Mainsbridge. Now, there's another subject you could uh, text us in on or, or call us up on. Who would be your first three inductees into the Crusaders Hall of Fame? Remember, it started back, uh, I think, about 1986. 1986, the franchise. Uh, there's a lot of history there, a lot of success to reflect on. So you might have to delve back into the archives to come up with your three um, of those uh, first inductees to come in. Uh, we'll also talk uh, just after 11 o'clock this morning to uh, George Berry. Of course, George uh, is part of uh, the Butlers, very successful group, but also is a very serious NBA pundit. And, uh, of course, Boston getting up over Miami to extend that series yesterday. Uh, so we'll see uh, what George's reflections are on that and his predictions for the NBA Grand Finals. Uh, we'll have a stump uh, smithy, I think it's a stump uh, Louie today. Stump Louie, uh, who's down there in Christchurch. And of course, Brian is uh, running the cutter up there in Auckland. Right, this week's news of Entain and the TAB's partnership has uh, been a cause for a lot of positive reaction and hope for the racing industry participants, administrators and fans, but for the greyhound racing industry, it has not been such a happy time. Uh, alongside the Entain announcement, uh, Minister for Racing Kieran McInulty put the greyhound industry on notice and this was him on our show yesterday. How thin is the ice for the greyhound industry as a whole? Uh, it's about as thin as you get, if I'm honest with you. I mean, they've had every chance under the sun to be able to demonstrate, one, that they recognise that change is required, and two, that they've changed. They have made a lot of improvement, there's no doubt about that, uh, and their, their fate isn't sealed. But they do need to respond to that report 
very clearly and outline what it is that they plan to do to improve the safety of dogs. If greyhounds, through the questions that they are facing, start to undermine the other two codes, that's an industry-wide issue that they need to address as well. Right, those comments came following the release of a report by the Racing Integrity Board where the status of 15 focus areas the industry had been tasked to look at were deemed five good, five adequate and five slow. Uh, admittedly, this report was from December and Greyhound Racing New Zealand are adamant change is happening. Well, Dave Fay, he's uh, one of our most accomplished greyhound trainers and breeders. He's been good enough to chat to us this morning. Uh, he's even on his way to the trial, so we are appreciative of your time today, Dave. Um, concerning news, I would, uh, when you uh, reflect on those comments uh, from Kieran McAnulty. Yeah, it was um, yeah, pretty gutting, all right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of amazing young people in our sport, and I was worried about the uncertainty for them. Well, the, you got the message. Yeah, the, yeah, I was just gonna, yeah, I was just yeah. going to say you got the message. So, what was the reaction, Dave? Yeah, and um, yeah, you just gutted for all the young people in the sport, just all the uncertainty for them, and yeah. I, I was thinking later about um, what the end time bosses were thinking when they heard the report from the minister. <clears throat> I'm sure they wouldn't be happy about one of the three codes being closed down. I think that's a I think that's a fair call too. Uh, I, I really do because um, the greyhound industry is responsible for a hell of a lot of turnover. I think uh, upwards of a billion dollars. Um, I think was the last figure I heard. So you don't when you're in, wanting to enter into an arrangement, a brand new arrangement based around turnover, you don't want that to happen. We're talking somewhere between five hundred and a thousand people uh, as part of the industry um, that could be uh, could be put out of work. It's as simple as that. Yeah, no, no, definitely could possibly be more with all the other things involved. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's pretty unsettling, all right. Can we look at the, the areas, Dave? And uh, obviously, uh, every kennel is, um, is individual in this regard, but specific in these areas, the, the areas that are regarded as slow, so there are 15 areas uh, that they wanted uh, the industry to take a very close look at and, and have action at. One of them, the first one that they say is slow is injuries. Injuries continue to trend up with, um, and as the greyhound racing industry had a, an injury, injury reduction strategy based on rich analysis, but uh, yet to deliver improved outcomes. Uh, that's uh, category one. What do you make of that? Yeah, um, there's, there's definitely no more injuries than there was before. There's, um, there's injuries like there's serious injuries, and then 90% or less or more, just like minor ones like uh, sprains and bruises, like all sportsmen get at some stage, and three or four days treatment with, um, we have lasers and ultrasound machines and massaging them and everything like that, and they're, they're perfectly fine. It's um, just, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the serious ones, there's no more than there was before. I'm pretty sure there's actually less because of the money that I spent on the tracks lately, and it's definitely made a big improvement. Well, they're saying, Dave, also one of the areas which is slow are track standards. An assessment of all tracks has been completed. The recent appointment of a racing safety and infrastructure manager is an important step, uh, but it's the, the greyhound industry has been slow to respond to track safety concerns. The industry must uh, respond in a timely way. Um, you're saying that track improvements have been made? 
Well, there's definitely... Um, Wanganui was one of the worst places. And I've spent... It was closed down for um, a year or two and 18 months, whatever it was. And um, since it's been back racing in the last, I think, about six weeks, it's been uh, definitely a big improvement. And, and Auckland's had a lot of time spent on it, and they seem a lot better than they were as well. So I'm pretty sure... Well, we've got a big meeting up there in the next two weeks at Auckland and then one at Wanganui, and I'll definitely no worries about putting my dogs around there. Area 3, licensed persons and greyhound registrations, traceability in the industry is a challenge, they're saying. Uh, greyhound Racing intends to introduce a rule removing the requirement for Air branding in early 2023, vaccinations for racing greyhounds has progressed well with further work required for non-racing greyhounds. Um, in terms of um, the licensing and that, that that kind of thing, what are the issues you think around there? The um, vaccinations, were, yeah, we, they're getting done every year, every dog. We've, just, we've got a few getting done this afternoon. In the past, there was hardly, you know, it was pretty, there was no, um, they weren't worried about it too much. But most trainers did it anyway. But now we're, everyone's, I'm, I just don't understand, it's, everyone's getting everything vaccinated and, yeah. It's just so, not, so uh, when we, it's just not right. We, we, when we look at this, uh, Dave, obviously um, you're, you're looking at, at your very sizable, your very sizable kennel as such. How often, how often do you get visited? Do you get inspected in terms of your facilities, um, your practice uh, in these areas we're talking about? Um, they've just started like 18 months ago. They've um, We've had two, two visits, inspected our kennels, and um, we've given report on every one. I think they've been just about around every kennel in New Zealand in the last 18 months, at least once. And uh, there's pretty nitpicky things they're looking at, which, um, yeah, I think common sense should prevail in half the cases. Minister for Racing acknowledged is that it's only a very micro portion of the industry that's letting people like yourself and your colleagues down. Is the are the stakeholders and the trainers and yourself are you aware of instances of people letting everyone else down? And is that extremely frustrating? It is really minor. It's, um, like like in any sport, any industry, there's um, there's always the odd one or two, but. If you, people just love their greyhounds, if you if if they spent you know time around the kennel and they just realise what beautiful animals they are and how well they're cared for, um, I'm sure they'd realise that yeah, what a great industry animal they are and how lovely they are to work with. So, Dave, in terms of retirement of greyhounds, they finished racing and then the the adoption policy, which seems to be one of the other issues that they're, they're looking at. How do how does this happen? How do, what's the transition from racing to adoption, and what, what's the process there? It usually takes like uh, six months, at, around six months at the moment. During COVID, they're um, going through really quick, but um, it's six months and. Um, the ones we have at home before they go, and we try and do as much as we can. 
and it, it, sometimes within a few days they um, bring them inside and they're on the couch and they're um, happy as Larry. It doesn't take long at all. It's just um, and the, the most wonderful pets you can get. So um, it is a bit slow at the moment, um, the process, but uh, it's definitely uh, working. Dave, you're obviously very accomplished um, and a proven performer, but there's always people coming in uh, into the industry, which uh, they have to get up to speed and get up to standard, obviously, because they're being monitored. And that, of course, is one of the other areas they're looking at is slow, the inform and educate the industry. That's a long-standing issue for which progress remains, remains slow. There is a commitment to prioritise prioritize this in 2023, linking awareness of standards and rules to relicensing. So... Uh, where do you stand on uh, on where that issue is? Relicensing. Um, you mean? Yeah, well, it, uh, it's under the headline of education. Uh, inform and educate the industry. In other words, make everyone uh, absolutely aware oh, of uh, have, what is um, going on. Have, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're having work, workshops and um, quite regularly with the rule changes and uh, What's expected of everyone? There was, um, there's like seems to be one every, at least every six months, maybe less than that. Well, it's, it's actually um, an interesting point, Dave, because I just yesterday I heard they were even running education um, workshops very, very recently, and I guess it's worth pointing out that this report, because of the cyclo- cyclone Gabrielle, it was kind of slowed down, and it was actually from December. So I guess it's probably worth asking you, like this year alone, in the last five months, have you seen urgency from administrators and is there more being done actively? Oh, definitely, yeah. There's, um, there's, there's, one, there's one in the next week or two down here. So, um, And there, I'm, there was definitely been one in three months ago at Christchurch and there was, they went right around the country. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not up to date, the report. It's old news, most of it. Yes, well, and, and I mean... And since I, then, I... The, well, the tracks have been reopened at um, Wanganui and um, work, a lot of work done at Auckland. It was closed down for a while and sorted out. And... I sense that there was probably a little bit of frustration from Greyhound Racing New Zealand about some of the things that were in that report because as you said maybe some of it was slightly old news and they had worked on it but obviously it still needs to be addressed I mean the actual people running the sport and running the industry at the moment is it as good as it has been or are you as a you know a leading trainer concerned about the people that are making changes or are you confident that you've got the right people in the right positions I'm confident we've got great people there and they're just um, hitting their head against a brick wall I think uh, yeah the IRB are the most difficult ones in this situation. So, Dave, what would you... you um, obviously, the, you, you feel um, there's a bias against um, the industry as such. You're almost, as you say, hitting your head against a, um, a brick wall. So what's your message to those who can't get their head around what you do and uh, it seems will, uh, will be forever reluctant to support the industry? As such, um, what would if you had a message to them? What would it be? Well, I just think that um, um, 
we're doing we're doing as much as we can, and um, that the animals are well cared for. And any yeah, they just I just don't understand the that the flack we're getting. It's um, yeah, from five years ago to today, it's just um, different world. What we yeah, everything's as far as I'm concerned, um, we're doing a fine job, and um, I'm pretty happy with everything actually. Okay, well, uh, David, obviously you're, you're very disheartened, and I can understand, I can hear in your voice you're disappointed and actually bamboozled by some of this, uh, these comments that are coming uh, and aimed at the industry. So uh, we'll continue to uh, uh, look into this as well because, uh, as you say, it's a massive part of the industry. In fact, from a business point of view, I've just had a text coming in, so it's the second largest domestic turnover, greater than Harness. So... Uh, that's what uh, w- that's what we're hearing. So the ramifications are huge here. Yes, they are. Yeah. Okay, Dave, uh, you've got uh, plenty in today, plenty of work to do. I noticed you've got about thirteen in today at uh, Addington. So uh, we'll let you go, and uh, we'll, we've heard your concerns um, as one of the leading trainers in the country. So we'll. We'll monitor that as well um, and uh, keep the situation up to date. Uh, Dave Fahey, thank you very much for your time this morning. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Cheers. Okay, so uh, we heard from uh, the Minister yesterday, Louis, uh, and he was very blunt on the whole issue. There didn't seem to be a lot of uh, ground left to give as far as um, the authorities are concerned. Um, And there's just an example of uh, one bloke who goes about doing what he does at a very high standard. Um, and in partnership um, with Gene, of course, though it's ultra successful, flummoxed, flummoxed about uh, how it's progressing and and the negative negativity about it. It's a very difficult position for people like Dave and Gene, and you know the bulk of the greyhound trainers to be in because they need to fight back, fight back air quotes. They need to get their side of the story across, but. They can't come across too defensive and not acknowledging that things still need to change because they will lose the room with the public. We keep getting this um, societal word thrown around and, and it's just maybe not... It's not where it used to be, greyhound racing, in the public's domain in front of mind and probably what is considered acceptable. So it's tough because they need to showcase that they are doing things right and they need to get their opinion across but they also need to recognize that it's not where it used to be as far as people's acceptance levels and unfortunately unfortunately they've got offside with the government and the rib well i've read the whole report this morning actually the december one and then the updated version and some of the stuff they found they are deeply concerned and it I think it's just a really delicate and tricky position because people like Dave, we're talking about livelihoods and he's talking about young people in the industry. We're talking potentially more than a thousand people. Like you, you can't expect them not to be emotional and vulnerable about it, Smithy. It's a really big deal for a lot of people. Well, we've talked over the years. Um, we've had a lot of Greyhound people here over the last couple of years on our show. In fact, we, every Thursday we, had, uh, we deal, delved into it and talked to an individual involved, being uh, an owner, a trainer, an administrator, whatever. And uh, every time we, we spoke to one, uh, we gleaned from that that uh, they're very passionate about it. It's a, often that you get into it early. It's a family-based thing, uh, you know, and the people that it's just not a, 
it's just not a secondary thing for them. It's primary in their minds uh, for the people that are seriously into it. Um, and there are, as you say, you look at the turnover, um, and we're hearing that it's greater than the harness racing industry, which would surprise me a little bit. But then again, the Greyhounds do race every day. They race every single day, basically throughout the week. It's the one code that does that. Uh, we'll continue to uh, investigate and look at this. It's 9.23 here on SENZ. The run home is changing time. We'll be with you at the earlier time of 3pm starting Monday. Catch Kirst, Kim and Beef from 3pm every weekday on SCNZ starting Monday. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Yep, Tina Turner, uh, gone, but uh, never forgotten with all those magnificent uh, songs that she's put out over the years. 200 million records she sold, incredible, 12 Grammys. All uh, right, okay, let's uh, look at uh, a couple of the texts that have come in. Uh, varying uh, opinions, as you would imagine. Four trainers in the last couple of years convicted of using meth on dogs. It's a disgrace. Yes, that is. Absolutely, it's a disgrace. Um, that's terrible. Absolutely damn terrible. Um, and... Uh, that is the thing. There are people within the industry letting the other people down. It's like most things in life, actually, to be fair. Uh, but are they letting them down to the extent that the whole thing has to close down? I mean, uh, we're hearing they've made progress. Um, from the government point of view, it's not quick enough. Another text has come in and said, uh, Smithy, I'm not a racing fan, but this just shows how out of touch this government is with the real world. I won't be voting for them again. They want to close down something that brings in huge money to the country. Utterly nonsensical. Uh, Paddy has come in, um, and Paddy said, one of the big issues for Greyhound Racing is there have been countless reports and reviews done on the industry, and they always seem to have negative connotations. If the industry was clean, there wouldn't be repeated investigations and reports. The scary thing is that it's almost always talking about dog health and safety, and that's horrible. Where there's smoke, there's fire, and I don't see them escaping from this one. Pull the pin on it. That's Paddy. So Paddy says, let's get rid of the industry uh, right from um, you know right, right from now, basically. Just pull the pin on it. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I, I really don't. But the fact of the matter is... Um, it's under serious threat. It's under serious, serious threat. And it's not a small thing all of a sudden when you realise the significance in the, uh, the, the situation that they're in at the moment. Look, we'd love to hear from you on this. Uh, if you uh, are involved in the uh, greyhound racing industry, call us on 0800 Stick up for your industry. Tell us what you're doing, um, what you're hearing, and what you're seeing in terms of improvements. Five out of the 15 categories, too slow for the government in terms of improvement. Five out of 15, that's a third. Um, so it's not just one niggly one, it's five that they're saying are way too slow um, in terms of the progress that you've got to be made. So please, uh, 0800 150 811, we'd love to hear from you on that, or um, a text on 8833, we'll read them all out. Uh, also uh, of interest, we're talking to Colin Mainsbridge shortly for the CEO of uh, the Crusaders. Tomorrow, uh, they uh, launch their Hall of Fame and they're going to have their first three inductees. Who would you like to see, or who would you think, if you're a Crusaders fan, who would you be 
uh, to, to make a real huge impact initially for it. Remember, it started back in 86. Who would be your three to go in? Who are you guessing? 9.32 here on SENZ. Slightly late for the news, but it's been a very busy and absorbing first half hour. The deal, a one-hour special going in-depth on the historic agreement between the TAB and Entain on SENZ. Talkback time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150 811. It's 9.34. We ask for your calls, particularly people who are involved in the industry, and uh, we've got uh, one of their best, and uh, Mark Rosanowski, who's uh, joined us. Uh, Rosa, of course, is um, a terrific caller of the Greyhound industry, a great supporter of it, has been for a long, long time. Um, but also a very um, practical man and, um, you know, he's uh, got his views. And, um, Rosa, thank you very, very much for uh, taking the time to join the show. Louis and I are um, here um, with a tremendous tremendous amount of interest in what's going on here. Uh, What's your reaction to what you've been hearing? Firstly, I'd like to thank you guys for actually putting this up and allowing both sides of an argument to be heard because that's something that hasn't <laughs> been the case, uh, particularly with some of the scurrilous coverage that has been on other networks. Um, clearly, I have to be a little bit careful to what I say because of the position that I'm in, but we've been respectful throughout this process and, frankly, no respect has been shown to us. Um, and it's only been people like yourselves that are actually willing to hear from both sides of the argument and some of the other journalism, and I put that in inverted commas, um, frankly, has been downright disgusting and a hatchet job and fuelled by uh, people who have access to grind and very specific views, but they're not actually willing to work with us. They pretend that they are, but they simply are not. Um, so just one thing I want to say, just straight off the bat, hearing some of those texts earlier, and I fully respect that people on the outside don't necessarily know much about greyhound racing and that all they're seeing are reports in the paper or some of these pieces on television, which are glaringly inaccurate, totally biased, unbalanced, and the worst form of journalism I've seen in my 54 years. And the methamphetamine, for example, the four positives, this is not greyhound trainers giving methamphetamine to dogs. This is contamination, as has happened in the horse industry, and Louis will be aware of those cases, as happens in everyday life. We have a meth epidemic in New Zealand. Can you imagine, Smithy, the results of tests if every domestic pet in New Zealand was tested for methamphetamine? It's a sad indictment on our current society, but it's a fact. And, of course, greyhound racing is a microcosm of New Zealand life. So we're talking about contamination, not people giving methamphetamine. But, of course, this is what you'll see on the television and some of those reports. And I did hear Andrew Gordy yesterday mention Michael Mora, and obviously he's a work colleague, and I understand why he would support him, and I have a great deal of respect for Andrew Gordy. But Michael Mora's reports have been wholly inaccurate, and I have written pages of notes about the imbalance and things that are completely non-factual about those things that go on television. And one of those included the methamphetamine uh, positive for Angela Turmold, who was many hundreds of kilometres away from the dog when it tested positive. Angela is one of the nicest people you could possibly meet who looks after her greyhounds to the nth degree, who sleeps with her young puppies to get them through the initial stages. 
She was devastated by that. There was a contamination to a dog. Michael Morris' report highlighted the wrong dog because it suited the narrative. They highlighted the dog that was five lengths in front, said that it was flying high on meth and just lasted to win. It didn't actually win. It got beaten by a nose. I pointed these things out. Nothing was ever corrected by them. It's a disgrace, Smithy, and I'm just not prepared to sit back and have all of the good people that I know in this industry besmirched by stuff that is actually not factual and is being put out there as fact. And these people are even being patted on the back for it. And I just can't sit back any longer and, and listen to this tribe. Rosso, we appreciate you cooling through and we appreciate your passion because you you work with these people day in, day out. This is an industry you've been passionate about your whole life. And I do think it's important to get both sides of the story. So, um, well, I'll, I'm not going to kick back on anything you say, but I think it's important that we kind of we test what you are saying a wee bit and, and we do offer both sides of the story, as you were saying, and I know you will understand that. So, b- because there are people listening that will be saying, well, this is, you know, this is a, a biased opinion as well, which I'm sure you could appreciate, and it's not necessarily calling you, saying you're not talking sense or facts, Give us your take on the injury side of things because when we talk about animals, people are very empathetic to animals. They don't like animals getting hurt. They don't like animal horses getting whipped. They don't like hearing the greyhounds you know, barking when they're in the boxes. It just very top level what we see when we might see a greyhound race on TV sort of stuff. We're talking everyday Kiwi. So as far as the injuries, when this report says by the RAB says that the progress on injuries is slow... Injuries continue to trend upward. GRNZ has an injury reduction strategy based on rich analysis. Initiatives are in the early stages but are yet to deliver improved outcomes. How do you explain that to your everyday Kiwi that might already have a um, perceived opinion about greyhound racing that dogs go out there, they get hurt, they ultimately have a poor quality of life and they die? This report saying it's slow on injuries. Are you seeing day-to-day changes and are you seeing a different... And Dave certainly thinks so from five years ago. Are you seeing a different, um, I guess, strategy and a different change of compassion and thought on how we are treating our greyhounds as far as their health? Um, Vastly different, uh, Louis, but I got involved in the 1980s and I can tell you that everybody that I got involved in greyhound racing with raced greyhounds because they loved the dog. Um, And there's no other reason why you would become involved the same as I would imagine a farmer works very long hours and loves their animals or loves working with them at the very least. Now we've improved a whole lot of things over the last 40 years in greyhound racing from track surfaces to track maintenance and all manner of safety aspects and that almost would suggest, oh, well, was it shocking in the 1980s? Well, we still looked after our greyhounds to the best of our ability as the technology allowed at the time, the same as many things in life uh, have advanced and we therefore do things differently. The same applies with greyhound racing. But there's this perception that we force these animals to go out and race. They're bred to actually do it. The greyhound breed will cease to exist if racing doesn't occur. They make great pets, but nobody's going to breed them to be pets. They enjoy going out to race and we do the very best that we can to make sure that they 
come off uh, as as well as they possibly can. And of course, <laughs> that's beneficial for for all parties. Um, but the same as in as in any game or sport, there will be injuries, and we look to mitigate those. To think that they have a miserable life, well, please, anybody who thinks that, please, actually do something. Go to uh, your nearest trainer. Actually talk to someone. Go and see some of the conditions that these greyhounds live in, which is far better than uh, most domestic pets. And if you take your pet uh, dog today down to the park, are you going to look all around the park and check for potholes? Uh, Are you going to have a vet go over the dog and examine it first? Are you going to take a a urine swab? Um, Are you going to make sure that it is drug-free? We do that every day for our greyhounds. We have a process that we follow so that those greyhounds are in their best condition and they come off in the best possible condition, barring uh, the occasional accident that might occur. Now, if you take your pet down to a park today and you just let it off the lead and it puts its foot in a pothole, are you a bad person? Are you somebody who should have been far more diligent in terms of uh, looking at the, the ground that you're on for, for any potential that, that could have injured a dog? Now, <laughs> greyhound racing is run under very strict conditions now. It's quite interesting <laughs> that I hear words about even tighter controls. I'm not actually sure how much tighter there could be. And I request that people who are making these claims that they actually go to a greyhound meeting, that they follow the process, that they see it for themselves, that they understand the industry that they're actually looking to shut down because it's not good enough for somebody to say they're going to shut something down without actually understanding what the industry is. Mark Rosanowski, um, I'd love um, for you to be available at uh, some stage. Um, we've um, almost run out of time in this segment, I'll be honest with you, you know how radio works, Rosa, but uh, I, I mean, obviously you've got uh, so much you want to get across to us, so what Louie and I uh, would like to do is uh, for you to make yourself available at some stage in the next, maybe tomorrow or early next week uh, when you've got some time, and uh, we'll go through a few more things uh, so you can get your side of um, of the of the coin revealed because uh, I think it's uh, it's only fair because uh, the threat is real, the threat is there. We heard it from the racing ministry, and people um, have to fight like hell, and uh, you're one of those fighters. So uh, if that's if that's cool with you, uh, Rosa, uh, we'll get you back on and and uh, formalise a few uh, other happy, questions. You know, and I do thank you for the year time. I know it's valuable. Okay, Rosa, Mark Rosanowski there. You have a terrific day, mate, and thanks very much for your sentiments there. I can hear uh, your belief and uh, your passion about the industry, and uh, you care. Um, and a lot of people who are in the industry, in fact, everyone that's in the industry, do care. Uh, and that's the human side of it uh, that, that should not be forgotten. It's 9.44. Uh, the other people that are on the board waiting, uh, we'll get back to you very shortly here on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 9.49, Joey's on the line. Joey, good morning to you. Yeah, g'day, Smithy. Yeah, I'd just like to see uh, you guys, if you could, get on Mark Rosanowski and, and, um, and Rob Macaroni on together. And, and nut out the pros and cons of us because it's people's um, livelihood you're dealing with, Smithy. You know, and and um, and, and and obviously um, some of the reports are, are wrong. And and this is what we need to do. We need to go to the the, the um, some of the trainers which you, you've had on too, 
and, and get this sorted out. Because, you know, to me at the moment, they're just trying to cull something that is, is people's li- livelihoods. And to me, it, it's, it's not on. You know, um, look, I have, I've had a greyhound, I have a greyhound called Peter Perfect. Lynn Early trained it. She was the most fantastic trainer we had. Absolutely brilliant. Let the dog sleep in her house and afterwards, when it retired, used it as a pet. So they're telling us something that, oh, there'll be 5% that are causing problems, I think, maybe. And like you say, in life that happens everywhere. And the 95% of people in Greyhound are fantastic people. Ron O'Regan, you want to watch that program on television? The, 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 um, the Sky did on him. Fantastic. Not just because it's Ron O'Regan, but other trainers as well. I think it's wrong. I think it's terrible. I don't know what you guys think. Well, Joey, we're trying to keep an open mind about it. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, and that's why we're trying to get as, as many views from as many different angles. But I respect you on the industry side of things, the history of this uh, particular industry, the amount of people it's given jobs to, the amount of income it brings um, to the racing industry as such. To dump it, to dump it um, and say it's gone forever, um, that is a massive, uh, it's a massive step, Louis. Massive Huge, the, the trickle-on effect. And, and to his credit, the Minister of Racing did recognise that yesterday as well, Smithy, didn't he? He did say that this is a huge decision and it will affect a lot of people. I am getting the sense from talking to people inside Greyhound Racing and uh, within the industry that they are frustrated that this report has come out now and not necessarily taken into account the work that they have done in very recent times. Because, look, yes, there have been 10 years worth of, I think, three reports in 10 years, pretty much saying similar things. But you hear Dave say that five years ago things were a lot different. Well, I suspect that right now to December, things are different. And a lot of those progress reports might not be 100% up to date. And I can understand how that would be frustrating. But there is clearly more work to do. And you cannot stand on one side of it and say that there isn't. You, you have to meet in the middle somewhere. That's the only way they'll be able to go forward, I think. Clearly work to do in most industries. Clearly most work to do in, in most industries. You look at um, human resources, HR, you know, which has come into industry, which has come into the workplace, etc. That was never there. It was never there. Work had to be done, improvements had to be made. Um, consideration for workers, etc. Um, and I'm not just talking. I'm not talking the greyhound racing industry. I'm, I'm talking industry in particular. There are always improvements that have to be made. The problem for the greyhound racing industry is that it's been perceived from the authorities that change isn't happening quick enough. Slow, slow. Not good enough progress. And five of the fifteen. That is the crux, and that's what is going to be the straw um, if they can't convert the slow into adequate. Simple as that. Nine fifty-three. And he certainly knows it. The Mail Run, Saturdays from 8am. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, let's get through a couple of these texts before the break. Uh, makes me laugh. The greyhound racing uh, has a way more integrity than horse racing. The average punter does not know that a horse trainer is sending their horse around to get it fit for a run in three weeks' time. There would be just as many problems in horse racing as greyhound racing, e.g. tracks, injury, the list goes on. So no horse racing in the future. Watch the space. That's from Jock. Uh, Smithy, um, John says, they can't paint everyone with the same brush. There is bad eggs in every industry. 
find them eggs and ban them for life from the tracks and we move forward with the dogs. Sympathy on both sides. It's uh, a great debate turning out to be what will be the end result. That's the key. Coming up to 10 o'clock, uh, we're going to change tack and uh, go to the Crusaders with their CEO, Colin Mainsbridge, uh, after this news break with Aroha. Very busy first hour, but a controversy, a lot of feeling. We love it here on SCNZ. Special going in-depth on the historic agreement between the TAB and Entain on SCNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You must understand The touch of your hand Makes my folks react That it's only the thrill A boy-meeting girl Opposites attract It's physical Try to ignore that it means more than that. Oh, oh, very sad, yes. The news uh, coming through overnight that uh, Tina Turner passed away at her home in Switzerland, of course, uh, born in Brownsville. Uh, Tennessee, but uh, in the latter years of her life uh, uh, became a naturalised Swiss citizen, uh, and that's where she passed away. Very sad news. However, life moves on uh, on this side of the world, and uh, rugby is our theme at the moment, and the rumours were true. Moana Pacifica's uh, star centre, Levi Omoa, is moving south to link up with the Crusaders from the start of next season, a move that certainly has people talking. The barnstorming midfielder has been on a tear of form now for a long period of time, the Tasman as well as Moana Pacifica, and raises some very interesting questions about what the Crusaders' midfield stocks might look like next year. It's a busy time in red and black country because tomorrow the Crusaders launch their own Hall of Fame to recognise the great players and coaches and administrators who have been part of uh, some of their dynasties throughout the years. No doubt Mr Amour will have ambitions of ending up in that Hall of Fame one day. Colin Maidensbridge, of course, is uh, the CEO of the Crusaders. He joins us now. Colin, I would imagine you wouldn't have minded... uh, jiving and dancing a wee bit to uh, Tina Turner over the years? Oh, Smithy, absolutely, mate. I've done a, a fair a fair bit, bit of uh, jiggling to um, to Tina. It, very sad, wasn't it? And uh, it's, the good thing is you get to remember all the amazing songs and experiences and events that she's um, been part of. So, um, yeah, yeah, so you, it's almost a celebration rather than something to be too sad about, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, simply the best could uh, apply to your franchise uh, over a long, long period of time. And you don't sit still, Colin. You've uh, gone after Levi or Moore, and you've got him. How long's that been on the radar? Oh, probably not as long as what it, it might appear. I, he's obviously made some um, personal decisions about uh, wanting to be an All Black, um, and uh, then when you know his status uh, sort of cleared up, he. He, his agent went out and had a bit of a look at some options and um, so yeah it, it, it suited us and, and he's connected here obviously he's been he's been playing for Tasman for a while um, he, he knows some of the coaching staff and um, and, and yeah I think he, he's, he's enjoyed playing against the Crusaders so it's a pretty natural place for him to end up I think 
Colin, uh, we get a lot of texts in here about uh, this concern for uh, some of the franchises in Super Rugby, Moana Pacifica, obviously, uh, who have had uh, a very average season in terms of results, and they see uh, their best player uh, leaving uh, to go to uh, the most successful franchise in the country, and they say, why? Um, uh, why does this happen? Um, it's... Is it a case of you know pursuit as such, or more driven by the players? And I'm just talking about Levi here. So I think it, probably our system, Smithy. If you if you think about where where our ambition around systems is, it predominantly arises through our academy system. So so we in an ideal world, we'll end up with eighty percent of our roster will have actually played for us or or come through our academy. Um, and, and that, that there will be less players that don't come from the academy than those that do. That's 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 what we work towards. Uh, of course, you do end up with some holes. You know, there's a bit of movement um, each season, and so th- those holes uh, need to be filled. And it, it's not so much we've had to go and uh, you, you know, it's not we we don't go on this tracking system and and go and grab these people. Sometimes they'll see what goes on in our environment, they'll get feedback about the environment, they'll understand it a bit, they'll know some of the people involved and, and then, so you know, they'll make inquiry and then of course we're going to respond to the inquiry. So it's interesting talking to the Aussie teams about Super Rugby Pacific in the last couple of years and, and I know, you know, I look at what, what some of them are doing in their teams at the moment trying to build capacity, build their academy systems and build their systems. I, I think people often expect the results to happen uh, you know, through a draft system in one week, uh, where in actual fact the way to build, uh, you know, good long-term success is to invest in, in development uh, and be, be a development-led organisation. You do that and then suddenly people want to come to you and get developed and it's it's primarily that than any other sort of, um, you know, it's, it's, I can assure you it's not deep checkbooks or, or anything of that nature. It's more about trying to focus on uh, on being a development-led organisation and then hope that you attract people for that reason. Obviously, uh, they look at uh, the Crusaders' stocks in the midfield and at full strength, they're pretty healthy. Uh, you know, we, we look at uh, Jack Goodyear, we look at David Harvey, um, Dallas McLeod, um, you know, um, there's a very strong base there. But you are losing personnel at the end of this year. Have you... Uh, who Who is it confirmed as leaving at this point and maybe perhaps moving on? So I'm, I'm a bit... <laughs> I'm swimming out of my lane there, Smithy. I, I, I leave that for Ray and for, um, for for Angus to speak to. But but I think you're right. We do have a, a, a reasonably, you know, some people would see it as congested. But it's I, I've seen um, I've seen players talk about if you want to be an All Black, for example, if that's your aspiration, you want to play for the All Blacks, then you're actually going to have to beat uh, somebody into that position. Uh, and, and whether that's in the club that you're in or another club you're going to have to go past that person to win the spot, so to speak. Now, how you go past and the way you conduct yourself and all those things, they're different issues. Um, but if you want to be an all-black, then you've got, to, um, you've got to aspire to be the best. And so, therefore, you've got to expose yourself to whichever environment you think is going to put you in the best position to be an all-black. And I think, you know, I think in this case, that's what Levi's chosen to do. Um, you know, that's the, the thinking that's gone in. Um, in our case, yeah, we've, you know, he's 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 got plenty of skill and versatility, but I won't swim out of the lane of the head coach and the um, and the GM professional rugby. That's their job to talk about that. Right. Okay. Well, that, that brings up uh, the other issue, which is a, a very public one, and of course, it's not just. Uh 
singled in on the Crusaders franchise, so you've got to find some coaching personnel, um, Colin. Uh, how's that process going, and what is the, what is, how does it work? Uh, how closely do you have to work with New Zealand rugby? I mean, do you do this by yourself, and, and how, how far down the road are you? So it's, uh, we do it with New Zealand rugby, um, and, um, uh, and, and the, you know, you end up with a bit of a panel of some people from there, some people from here. Uh, and the first stage is you, you, these aren't jobs that you put an advertisement up and, and people apply um, because, you know, to be a decent, um, to be a decent uh, super rugby coach, you've probably got to have done some coaching um, elsewhere. Um, so so you, you end up in a, in a situation where you, you sort of scan the world you check in with agents, you check in on contract status, and you and you start speaking to people, basically. And so we've been doing that for a while, um, talking to a number of people. So we've made some progress. We've got to a smaller group, um, and we're just working through uh, and making sure that, um, you know, we're clear on what we're looking for and they're clear on, on you know, that this meets their aspirations. So, so we're still a few weeks away, and we're not rushing. Um, we're trying to take the view... We're better to make the right decision than make a quick decision in this case. So, so if it takes us a little bit longer, we'll take a little bit longer. Obviously, we want them assembled ideally um, before we assemble. Um, I, I don't think that the other coaches would be too happy with me putting a whistle in the mouth, but um, I, I, I think we'll take our time and, and make sure we get the right connection. Yeah, because well, uh, you know we're, we're just sort of surmising over the fact that. You know, you, if you were an incoming coach, you'd, you'd probably want to have some say in what your roster is next year. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I guess the, the, the other thing, though, is, Smithy, you, you think, I mean, you've talked about who's going, who's staying. There is not a lot of movement in our roster, not a lot of unplanned movement in our roster. So, um, so and, you know, when you see academy uh, athletes coming through, it's, it's, it's not like you start with a blank sheet of paper. It's... You inherit uh, predominantly what's there. You know, vast majority of the athletes that were uh, that will be there next year will have been with us uh, in this past year. So you probably, you know, there'll be a couple of positions that you might want to have some influence on. But we we mm-hmm. do have other coaches already in in situ. We've got a GM professional rugby who's been involved in uh, in depth charting for um, you know for quite a period of time. So I, I don't think there's um, it's probably not as big a issue as as what it might be if you know if you started with a with a zero um, zero sheet. Okay, right. Well, here's a lane you can swim in with confidence, Colin, because tomorrow um, you launch your Hall of Fame, which I imagine you've been a huge part of um, of the practical side of instituting this. Uh, this is uh, exciting. Telling tell us a wee bit uh, about how this came about. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, the, 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 again, the Australians do some things really, really well, Smithy, don't they? So, uh, Razor, Sam Whitelock, and Jace Ryan, I think last year or year before, attended the Brumbies Legends Lunch, and um, and we, we've been to um, some lunches that, that they've put on for the likes of um, uh, Weary Dunlop uh, down at the Rebels, and and it, it, they came back and said, we've got to do this. So that was the genesis of the idea. It, it, we've always thought of ways that we can celebrate our alumni so um, so it just seemed to make sense to try and put together uh, both a, a celebration for the um, of our legends 
uh, recognition of all our alumni, and then also we're using this as a as an opportunity to raise money for uh, I Am Hope um, and uh, Mike King's work there. So obviously we respect his mahi, and it's a good opportunity for us to um, to try and raise some money for for him as well. So, so um, what kind of uh, person um, goes into uh, a Hall of Fame? What kind of person makes up a uh, an initial inductee. I mean, uh, we're looking across the board here. We're talking about a franchise uh, founded in 1996, so we're coming up, what, 27 years uh, since it's uh, been there. But uh, we're talking administrators, coaches, players across the board here, Colin? Oh, th- th- this will be focused on coaches and players uh, as alumni-led. So, yeah, as you say, Smithy, 27 years, uh, 17 finals, 13 championships. But, the, 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 you know, one of the things about this place is that we've probably got more centurions and, and less capped players than a lot of clubs. So we've only had 278 uh, capped crusaders, and um, but we've had 24 centurions in that in that, in that period. So they do stick around. So, um, so so to become, we set up a committee, um, and that was uh, Bob Stewart, an ex-chair, uh, Leslie Murdoch and Brian Ashby, uh, good media people from here, uh, John Miles, who's been in logistics and team management for many, many years, uh, Angus Gardner and Sam Broomhall. Uh, then we had um, Sam, Sammy Whitelock and Razor from a team perspective, and then Corey Flynn, Adam Whitelock and Ruben Thorne have been giving us some, some help uh, from the alumni steering committee. So, so those guys have set up a criteria, um, which is around uh, you know, uh, contribution on the field and, and what they've left in the club um, uh, afterwards. And, um, and yeah, so we're, we're inducting three, um, three tomorrow. Right, that's uh, that's absolutely outstanding. We look forward to that uh, announcement. So, uh, the other thing I've got on my little list here is um, stadium development. Um, are you across um, the new your new facility coming up in years time? Uh, how's that going? Yeah, so twenty um, so Bessex Wattpack and um, lead the consortium, which they call Kautui Consortium, which is uh, some uh, a bunch of local companies and led by Bessex Wattpack have built many stadia around the world. They are, um, I'll leave aside, leave aside the budget side of it, I think they're well under budget and, and on time at the moment. And, um, and so they're looking, to, uh, they're looking for us to be open and operational in 2026. It might not be the first game of the year. Um, it might be quarter two, I think April was uh, sort of delivery date 2026. So we could be playing uh, mid-season 2026 uh, at Takaha Stadium. And, um, and at this stage, everything's going swimmingly well. And in fact, they're being very coy, the lead contractors, um, which suggests to me that it's going better than they're, they're letting on. But you can look, if you look in there now, you, you know, there's um, horizontal infrastructure in place already and there's some of the vertical in- infrastructure going up now. So you're seeing columns and stuff rising out of the ground. So, yeah, no, no I think no majors in front of them. So, um, yeah, very excited about what that's going to look like. And just from a business point of view, um, because obviously you want to fill that new stadium, are you happy with numbers this year? Look, we get a lot of texts and a lot of messages and a few calls as well. Uh, Colin, as you can imagine, some people just a little bit concerned about the, the numbers at Super Rugby, particularly bums on seats as such. How uh, are you tracking this year? So it's, 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 um, it's interesting, Smithy. When you look at broadcast numbers, highlight viewership, uh, social media engagement, those things are all as strong as they've ever been in the competition since w- when I look back at the data, which is 2006. So, 
So people are consuming the product, they're consuming the game. Bums on seats is quite variable. I think, uh, you know, I was saying to somebody last week, we played in two of our last three games were sellouts. Um, so, you know, the Blues and the, and the Chiefs. So some of those traditional rivalries are, are really, really attractive. Some of the some of the games, it's fair to say that the you know people don't see that that rivalry quite the same. So some of the Trans Tasman matches are not, are not attracting quite the crowds, but the crowd average numbers are, are, are okay. It's just that some of them are are a bit lower than they've been historically. Mm. But overall, the average crowd numbers are up for us this year. Um, uh, the, the, and I think in our own venue, you'll see even with some opposition that we wouldn't call, um, you know, quite the same as, they say, Chiefs, uh, Blues, Hurricanes, Highlanders, you know, even uh, even that opposition's attracting a reasonable crowd but maybe just doesn't fill the venue. So so bums on seats is, uh, is not as good as what we'd like it, but it's probably better than what most people think because the average is up. Okay, Colin, well, thanks very much for that. Um, good luck tomorrow. I mean, it's a, it's a great initiative. I love the Hall of Fame concept, and you've got so many, so many, uh, I think, contenders over the, the next few years. It'll be really interesting to see um, who the uh, first three will be. Um, I, 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 would, I would imagine you're not going to give us any clues to this sort of thing, but um, <laughs> uh, it would have been pretty hard to get the first three, wouldn't it? Uh, it, it, it was, actually. I think that's, it's actually interesting, that, that committee, that group, um, you know, it took a real long time to get there. They spent a lot of time on um, on what needs to be there, and and yeah, a credit to them. They, they you know, in the end, you, you see three names, and you you see three people um, who will end up with a tonga um, presented to them, recognising their contribution. But but actually, the work that's gone behind the scenes to get to those three is uh, is pretty special. So you're really proud of the effort they put in to get there. Well, good luck with the function. Uh Great initiative, as I say. Uh, you've got the Waratahs this weekend and a 4.35 start. A little bit of afternoon rugby into the evening. Uh, let's hope you could get a good uh, following there as well. Uh, it's gonna, it sounds like it's going to be a hell of a weekend down there. All the best, Colin. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Millie. Good on you, mate. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Colin Mainsbridge there, folks, the CEO of the Crusaders. Of course, they're always going to uh, come under flak. We've got uh, a couple of uh, texts coming. Irish John has come in and reflects um, <laughs> the attitude of a lot of people when he says so what is the bloody point of having Ireland rugby franchise to build a tradition there when the players go to New Zealand or Oz it's bullshit says Irish John simple as that so um, a lot of people were echoing those thoughts um, Toby's just popped in and said how about uh, Berryman Norm Berryman Justin Marshall Blackadder as the first three inductees um, yeah what do you reckon Louis Herman what you're a crusader through and through Robbie Dean's in there. Yes, I've had. I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. A lot of time thinking about this. You need somebody to reflect the early years, the late nineties, um, and you know some of those very early coaches. I, I think Robbie probably took the Crusaders and, and made them the excellent. He started the the winning culture. You know, the the absolute. This is who we're going to be. Uh, that winning culture. I think that's driven a lot from Robbie Dean's. He'd be there. Um, but a guy that I think would be my first choice, my first pick every single day of the week would be Andy Ellis because I think Andy Ellis's connection with 
the region, and especially during the earthquakes where he stood up and said, oh, we need to go and play and we will keep playing for this city and led a lot of those community initiatives. He's just he's such a kind of community-driven guy. He's got such a high approval rating around Canterbury. You won't find someone to say a bad word about Andy Ellis around here, and he played 150 five times or something for the Crusaders and won championship. So he'd be my first pick along with Robbie Deans. And then you have to probably include Richie McCaw or DC or, I don't know, one of those legends. Well, they're all going in at some point. It's just the first three, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, they're always going to, those names you've all mentioned are, are going to be in at some point. Um, you know, Justin Marshall will go in there. Wyatt Crockett, he'll go in there. I mean, is there anything more? Toddy? Um, that... Todd Blackadder, is there anyone more that personifies the family and the commitment to uh, one franchise than White Crockett? Is there around the country? I'm not sure. Uh, would he be good enough and his commitment good enough to be one of the first, the initial inductees, the foundation inductees? We shall see tomorrow out of Christchurch. It's 10.22. It's Kiwi Sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season 2. Yes, indeed it is, and uh, being Thursday, it's time for us to uh, dish out a horse uh, racing this weekend, and uh, any proceeds of uh, that victory that we hope uh, it gets will go to Women's Refuge, uh, which of course is our charity of choice. We're going to go to Winton on Saturday, race 8, number 10, he's good, Uh, trained by Craig Ferguson, will be driven by a junior driver and uh, Mark Huddle. And uh, it, uh, his form has got a second row draw, but closes off races in fine style, and that may suit here. His form line six three one six two, so really good form, no doubt about that. He's good, um, and it's uh, second on the, the second line. So uh, yes, it was. I uh, hope that uh, gets a clear passage through, and we get some money for women's refuge. Right, Louis Herman, what um, the texts have been busy this morning? Have they what? Uh, we need to get to more of those Greyhound messages at some stage. Maybe on a following day we can give it some more time. But just to, we're blowing up on the uh, Hall of Fame situation for the Crusaders. Lots of people, as you said, Smithy, saying having a crack at the Crusaders for the, the P-word poaching, which is, as Colin Mansbridge um, explained, a myth they like to promote from within with their academy. And then, you know, from time to time, if a player hears that that's where they want to be, like Levi Moore, and I think it's key that he mentioned he is has aspirations of playing for the All Blacks. So that was a really interesting um, note that I took from Colin Mansbridge. Now, as far as the Hall of Fame situation goes, there are lots and lots. I'm going to try some people up. We've got Pete here. We've got Chris and Carpety. We've got uh, Kerry. We've got um, Cameron. We've got Tim. Lots and lots of love for Andrew Murdens. Lots and lots of love for Todd Blackadder. Lots and lots of love for Robbie Deans. A wee bit of love for Justin Marshall. A wee bit of love for White Crockett. Not as much McCaw and Carter as you would expect, although Leanne P. North has just come through. Blackadder, Carter, McCaw. Um, it's a really, really tough decision to make. A couple of messages for Wayne Smith. Obviously, one of the inaugural coaches, or one of the first coaches um, in, I think he was 97, 98, nine 
there or thereabouts. Yep, 97 to 99. So Wayne Smith, I mean, he's had a, a very big and successful couple of years with the Black Ferns and obviously before that with the All Blacks. Could he be given yet another accolade just when he thought they were probably running out? Chance, absolute chance. Uh, I always, uh, even though he's born in Pataruru, went to school there, I always associate uh, Wayne Smith with, as a Cantab through and through, uh, back playing with the Red and Blacks, uh, scoring uh, Triad Athletic Park, I think, in a Shield challenge. But I always uh, re remember Wayne Smith. And, you know, who would deny the professor uh, being uh, one of the inaugural inductees? But, uh, look, I don't know. Uh, it'll be a, a very, very interesting. What we'll get, I think, I, I think Richie McCaw's a given. There you go. I'm going to say Richie McCaw is a given. Ooh. I'll tell you who we're going to ask about this. I'll tell you who will ask about this. Pat McKendry. Pat McKendry, he's up on uh, Canterbury Sport down there. So I shall um, ask Pat McKendry coming up uh, very shortly. I uh, need to talk to Pat too uh, as uh, part of the bulletin because um, he is uh, all over the boxing side of things as well. Joe Parker. David Nika, victories last night. What did he make of all that? So uh, Pat McKendry next here on SENZ. Auckland weather, fine today with Southerlies dying out, high 17, low 7. Join us Saturday from 10am for The Deal, a one-hour special going in-depth on the historic agreement between the TAB and Entain on SENZ. The Bulletin. Right, this is uh, the bulletin where we get um, a recognised journalist or personality from around the country and ask them for some opinion on some very sensitive issues. Um, we've had some sensitive conversation and uh, texting today, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but Pat McKendry joins us this morning. Pat, good morning to you. Good morning, Smithy. How do you uh, regard uh, Joe Parker's performance? It was brief, but was it um, convincing enough for you? Yeah, it was it was brief. I think it was about 91 seconds and it was all over in the first round. Um, it was a good performance. Uh, he did what he had to do. Um, clearly, there was a massive golf in class and, you know, I, I think most of us expected this sort of result. But uh, the thing with Joe is, um, uh, unfortunately, I guess for him, is that over the past couple of years, he hasn't always delivered on his promise and expectations. And... Um, for whatever reason, he's been a wee bit unlucky with injuries and illness. Um, but he turned up to this fight um, in, in his best shape that he's been in in, for, in five years. And he he looked sharp and he delivered. And um, as I say, he did what he had to do. He, he stopped the guy in, in a very impressive uh, fashion. And... Um, but I think, the, I think the main takeaway is the way he prepared for the fight. And I, I think that's the most important thing. Right, so do we now, uh, on the evidence of what you've seen, have reason for hope? I mean, uh, he was going backwards at a rate of knots to the point where he was fighting midweek, midweek in Australia. Uh, what, uh, on the evidence of that, can we look forward to for Joe? Anything more substantial shortly? Yeah, look, I, 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 I suspect that it's, um, it, it's sort of part of a plan. Uh, his good friend Tyson Fury has apparently been travelling around Australia looking at potential venues for himself to fight. And there's talk that he may fight uh, undefeated heavyweight uh, Dempsey McKean, who's an Australian. Um, so that'll make a splash. And I think I think Fury did make a bit of a splash in Melbourne, by all accounts, while he was there. Um, so, you know, potentially Joe might fight again in Australia. But the thing is, who is he going to fight and how good is his opponent going to be? And I, I think that's the big question. He he sort of needs to move upwards from uh, Fanga Apello, who, who was pretty 
limited. Um, didn't have a great record. He had quite a good recent result against Hemi Ahio, a, a previously undefeated Kiwi heavyweight. But I think Ahio, who was stopped in that fight, I think he was actually suffering from illness, potentially COVID. So I, I don't think there was a sort of a fair reflection of where Appellin was at. But he, we, we certainly found out last night. But in terms of Joe's next step, he says he wants to fight anyone. Uh, anywhere, and um, he, he needs to move up to a to a decent standard of opponent now, and, and, and prove that re- really he is um, improving uh, during what you've got to consider to be sort of the final stretch of his career. Mm. Yeah, well, I I kind of agree with you. The credibility is what he, he needs now, and that means someone that can beat him that he has to beat. Right? Okay, let's look at uh, David Nika. David Nika's performance, I think, uh, in the fourth round, uh, finally uh, getting a stoppage. Yep. What did you make of David? Yeah, he, he was good. I mean, he's he's a classy boxer, obviously, a, a hugely extensive um, amateur background and pedigree. Um, he went into the ring with a huge advantage in terms of height and reach, uh, you know, not to mention his, his uh, the talent gap. Um, and, he, and he put all those gifts to good use. He, he did look good. He, he's, um, he stopped this his opponent, Louis Masters, last year on the Gold Coast. But Masters actually had him in trouble early on in that fight last year. Uh, last night, Masters started pretty strongly. He, uh, he sort of charged it at, uh, at David and, and tried to catch him off guard. But look, a very impressive performance. He, he used his jab superbly. He picked his shots. It was interesting. He switched between orthodox and southpaw. To, to sort of mix things up a wee bit and keep keep his opponent guessing, um, and it was a good stoppage. He uh, he, he really dismantled uh, Masters, and it, it was it was very impressive actually. Can we turn to uh, rugby uh, actually, um, Patrick, and and look at uh, one of the stories of the day is the confirmation that uh, Levi Levi Ormoa has decided uh, for his own career he's better playing for the Crusaders than Moana Pacifica. Uh, we've had a lot of messages and of concern for this in terms of minor Pacifica. They can ill afford to lose anyone, let alone a player of his calibre. What do you make of this news? Mm-hmm. Um, look, I think you've got to, you probably got to, got to give some emphasis to what the player wants. And clearly, Levi Almoa um, is putting his own interests first, and he he wants to be the best version of himself that he can be. Obviously. And he wants to be an all-black. And I think going to the Crusaders gives him the best chance of that. Um, not not hugely surprising. It, it does obviously put puts a bit of a question mark about Leicester flying Anuku's plans. He hasn't re-signed with New Zealand Rugby yet. So it it's, looks kind of like a like-for-like replacement to me. But um, as far as Amor is concerned, he's... I mean, what a what a hugely what a standout season he's had with Moana, and it, and it is sad for Moana to lose a player of his caliber. But it, I think it's great news for Levi, and um, I, I think he's actually a chance to make the All Blacks this year. And, and what a potential game breaker he could be at the World Cup. In terms of uh, replacement coaches, of course, uh, we're now looking for four, Patrick. Not. Um uh, and I'm assuming that uh, Clark Dermody will keep his uh, job for a second year, although the performance of the side has been uh, pretty average. Um, are you hearing anything about likely candidates uh, for the Blues, Crusaders, uh, Hurricanes as such? Not, as, yeah, not at the moment, maybe, putting me on the spot. But um, I think it's a pretty it's a pretty fluid kind of a scenario. Um, you know, the, the, the talent pool in New Zealand isn't hugely deep because everyone's um, pretty much 
of that ability is coaching overseas. So we'll just have to wait and see. But um, in terms of the uh, the Blues and, and Crusaders in particular, it's going to be interesting, I think, because they are, you know, two of the premier franchises, really, I think, of New Zealand. And, um, I mean, very different stories. But McDonald has got the Blues heading definitely in the right direction and obviously we know what uh, Robertson's done so yeah it's, it's going to be intriguing what happens there It is actually and uh, of course they now have to find uh, a coach for Moana Pacifica and that, that's an interesting one in itself um, of course Aaron Major um, bought into the cultural side of things in fact uh, totally respected it learnt a lot about it what kind of coach do you yeah. think um, Moana Pacifica need? Do they need um, a, a person with Island, uh, island descent in there, uh, and if there is, I, I, I mean, uh, Philo Tiati yeah. is there at the moment. Uh, who else would be in in that bracket? I, I think they do. Um, that, that's really the the whole essence of the side, isn't it? It's their DNA, and uh, you know, Aaron was really good at that. I think he was. I think he needed needed some persuading to take the job, um, and you know, with his family down south, still it, it can't be easy the last couple of years, especially with the results. I mean. That, that, that's a, that's a difficult time to um, you know lose week in week out, especially this year, obviously. So you know, mm. look, I think they need they, they need to stay tapped into that island DNA that they've got going. It's it's definitely a point of difference, and it is you know it's a pathway and it's a potential inspiration for for young Pacific Islands around New Zealand and in the islands um, that they can stay in New Zealand and show you know show their ability. Um, here and you know for potential pathways into national teams and and obviously whatever that um, springs out into potentially playing overseas as well so yeah definitely I think I think they need, do need to find I mean it's not going to be easy obviously because because the, the the talent pool isn't huge but I think they do need to find a Pacific coach if possible. Okay, Patrick McKendry uh, is uh, with his thoughts on the bulletin this morning, Patrick. Uh, thanks for your time today and uh, those thoughts, particularly on the boxing as well. Uh, very interesting to see where Joe Parker goes next, which direction he goes. Uh, Patrick, have a good day uh, and thanks for your time. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, buddy. Cheers uh, Pat McKendry there uh, with his thoughts. Uh, we like uh, the bulletin where uh, each day we'll try and uh, get a journalist or uh, someone in the know, so to speak, um, with their opinions on the issues of the day. Issues of the day um, include to come in. Uh, in terms of uh, the texts, etc. How about Robbie Dean's Reuben Thorne and White Crockett? It's come from Justin. I don't think it's come from Justin Marshall. It might have. Uh, Robbie, Robbie Dean's Reuben Thorne, White Crockett. Well, I think if we got one from Justin Marshall, he'd put his own name forward, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he? Yeah, of course he would. 10.42. We'll be back shortly. Thanks to the SCNZ app. I've been tuning in at all hours of the day. From Izzy to Ricardo, what a roster we have on SCNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Well, I can tell you as I look out uh, the back window of the studio here in Hawke's Bay, it is a beautiful, I mean beautiful blue sky day, Louis. There's um, a, a bit of warmth in the sun, I'd say it's a bit watery, but to be fair, 
couldn't ask for too much better because they are racing at Hastings today, reportedly on a soft six, which at the moment is pretty rare. I just wish it was a Saturday. Or maybe we'll have to boot Staffy and drive off here so we can run a, um, a good, the Good Oil episode this afternoon because we've been getting these heavy tracks on Saturdays and it's made our job very, very difficult. Oh, there you go. I'm, I'm having a whinge. Wayne won't like that on the double eight, double three. Before Louis tips out or Chestrel, three Crusaders Hall of Famers, Ali Williams, Zach Gilford, Peter Alatini. Well, I hope that the start of your text message is, is as pithy as the end of your text message, Wayne. Although you've absolutely nailed me. I mean, you'd be... I'm not necessarily tipping her out, Wayne, calling her immoral or anything stupid, but everybody who saw Orchestral in race number three's debut performance where she dived at Just a Floozy, who was the greatest moral we had seen, the wee rocket ship, she started at $21 that day, the Savabelle filly, out of Symphonic, I mean, beautifully bred. Now, I've asked the camp, they would have preferred to run her over 1400 but she's over 20, uh, 1200 today. You'd think natural improvement would have her going very, very close in this race. Overdrawn at the top of the book, Tony Pike gets the good draw and the gun jockey. Um, but look, Orchestra with Warren Kennedy up. It's $2.20 though, Wayne, so I take your point. It's probably short enough to find out. One more I'll play on an each-way basis. Race number eight, Parisian Poppy. Uh, comes out of a race which I thought was actually pretty decent. Barzetti came out of that race. I tipped it in the weekend, and I actually think Barzetti went okay. It's just that track at, at, at uh, where were we? Awapuni was so heavy. Some horses, it was a bit of a lottery whether they'd handle it. But today, on a soft track, um, Parisian Poppy has won on good tracks. It's done all right on soft tracks. The better it gets, the better Parisian Poppy will go. Sticky draw, but you've got the best jockey in the country to navigate it. So race number eight each way on number seven. Second up today, Parisian Poppy. That is my each way go. And yeah, orchestral big watch. Orchestral. Uh, it's not orchestral, is it? I mean, it's definitely orchestral, is it? Ah, oh, well. Wow. Well. Brian, who's... Um um, it's not OMD. Who's OMD? The band OMD is it Orchestral Movements in the Dark? Is that is that what it was? It's not. I, look, I don't know, Louis. I mean, you're a Christchurch educated, and you're well and truly in advance <coughs> of a, a poor Rongatai College boy. But I thought orchestral orchestral is orchestral. I, 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 look, I, I give up. It's ten fifty one. Ten fifty one. Back soon. Public school, by the way. Ring your ass. Your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. The SENZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. anytime. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the whole Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Rightio, before we get to uh, Paul Moati at the TAB, uh, just my multi for today. It's uh, the Dolphins to beat the Dragons tonight. Of course, Thursday night rugby league. Uh, I love that uh, start to the weekend, how it spreads throughout. Uh, Man U to beat Chelsea tomorrow morning early. That's at $1.57. Dolphins, by the way, are a buck fifty to beat the Dragons. And you have to be patient for the third leg of the multi because that's Ricky Fowler. Uh, the next round of the PGA starts tomorrow morning. It'll fi- finish Monday morning. 
I've got Ricky Fowler to finish in the top 20. Ricky Fowler, who I think's form is encouraging. Uh, I think he's got his confidence back. And 250, I think, for a top 20 finish is not asking too much uh, from Ricky. So, multi that up. The Dolphins menu into Ricky Fowler. That's $5.66. Good morning, Mr. Moati. Um, and uh, of interest today is that, uh, I guess, well, it's tomorrow, in fact, but uh, the Celtics survive anyway. They survive to go again. Yeah, that's right, Smithy. We go to a Game 5 uh, tomorrow back in Boston. Um, Celtics, they're $1.32. The Heat, $3.30. Um, it hasn't turned people off Miami, though. They're backing them at $3.30. Uh, I heard you mention the Dolphins and the Punters are with you there, uh, Smithy. They're taking the $1.50 very well back to course the Dragons. Uh they're without Ben Hunt, who's on origin duty, and he's a big, big out for the Dragons, who have been struggling most of the season anyway. Um, so punters jumping on the Dolphins, as they are the New Zealand Warriors, who will be in your part of town Saturday night, taking on the Broncos. The Warriors $1.42. The Broncos $2.80. And you mentioned Ricky Fowler and him having confidence. Well, I tell you, someone who had confidence last night was uh, Joseph Parker. He didn't take too long to uh, get done with uh, Whanga uh, or Pelu. And I'll tell you what, we got knocked out by punters as well. There was a boosted odds option on that about Parker to win the first, second or third round. That was boosted out to around $6. One punter put 2000 on at $6 for Parker to win in the first, second or third round. And if you wanted to pick the exact round, and a lot of punters did. Parker to win in the first round. That was paying anywhere between 19 and $21. So big, big collects for punters last night, thanks to Joe Parker and his demolition job of uh, Orbelu. So there's plenty of money out there, Smithy. Bet wisely if you're going to have a go, though. Yeah, good advice, uh, Paul Moati. Good information and good advice, too, and we fully endorse that. Right, uh, we talked about the NBA briefly there in terms of uh, that uh, game between... Uh, the Celtics and Miami Heat tomorrow. We're going to talk a uh, bit of NBA after the break. We're going to go to one of our faves, and George Berry, of course, uh, out of the Butlers. Very talented musician, but uh, also, of course, very knowledgeable on the NBA. That's next. Uh, we'll have uh, a stump, Louie, in the next hour as well. A Saturday from 10am for The Deal, a one-hour special going in-depth on the historic agreement between the TAB and Entain on SNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ. Yep, we've been playing a few little snippets of Tina Turner this morning. That one there, uh, it takes two um, in collaboration with Rod Stewart. Uh, she was fantastic, Tina Turner. Uh, an icon in the music industry. And uh, we've got uh, a fella heading in that direction, actually, on the line now. And uh, George Berry and uh, the uh, current NBA conference finals look like they would be a slice of history uh, with the first time there were going to be two sweeps, a big possibility. 
But that was until uh, Jason Tatum and the Celtics woke up yesterday and impressively took a game off Miami. So while the Nuggets rest and formulate a game plan against either the Heat or the Celtics, um, they go to Game 5 in Boston tomorrow. It's been a crazy sort of a playoffs. Would anyone really be surprised to see the Celtics somehow win or come back to a point where they forced a Game 7? That might be interesting. Well, uh, George Berry um, out of the Butlers, uh, I imagine he would appreciate... Uh, the legacy that uh, Tina Turner has uh, left behind. Uh, George, not uh, maybe your genre, but certainly very, very famous in the industry. Good morning to you. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Uh, yeah, rest in peace Tina Turner. She was a legend. And um, yeah, definitely not in the genre that we play, but um, loved her stuff. And yeah, like you say, she was an icon. Um, and I'm sure that, um, yeah, the legacy will live on. Good to see that Sins is playing some tunes. And um, yeah, great to be here talking some, uh, some playoff basketball with you. Yeah, and speaking of living on, uh, that is exactly where the Celtics find themselves. They are uh, going home for uh, what is now going to be uh, Game 5. Uh, they bought themselves a lifeline yesterday. What a difference between Games 3 and 4. What happened? Yeah, this is bizarre. Um, Miami Heat just continue to surprise people. I think people tend to forget that they were in the play-in tournament. They only just won to actually get the 8th seed to eventually get to where they are now. It's it's a, it's a remarkable story, and I think for the Celtics, I don't know. This seems like you know they've got a very new head coach who didn't have any head coaching experience. He was kind of on the the second tier of the Celtics bench last year, and um, Joe Mazzulla is who we're talking about here. And I think you know star talent. They've got better star talent than the Heat. I mean, Jimmy Butler is incredible, but you know the Miami Heat are, are filled with a lot of undrafted players with a lot of chips on their shoulders, and they've managed to you know steal a, a really a considerable amount of games in this playoffs and this series alone. They've got the best coach in the NBA in Eric Foster who has just worked out an incredible game plan to kind of dissect and completely humiliate the Celtics. But I'm not surprised they're still in the game. Um, I actually crunched some numbers for you, Smithy. No one has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. 44 have forced a game 5, so that's the Celtics. 11 have forced a game 6. Only 3 have forced a game 7. Um, if there was, you know, one team to to be out of the 150 teams in history that have been down 3-0 and come back and won, it could be the Celtics. You know, just because they've had an incredible regular season, they've got one of the best stars in the NBA in Jason Tatum. They could do it, but I, I do think overall um, Miami is just a better gel team. There's probably some friction in the Celtics locker room after that 3-0 deficit. It'd be hard to, to shake some cobwebs from that. Um, I think the Miami Heat will prevail in the series, but... It's good to see it, you know, be alive again. And it's good to see, you know, the legends, you know, Shaq, Charles, Kenny and Ernie Johnson get another couple of runs in before they take their summer break too. Shout out to those guys. Yeah, absolutely. I love uh, those uh, pre-game and mid, uh, mid-game shows. They're very, very good. Uh, look, OK, uh, we look at uh, the personnel uh, in the heat and, you say, as you say, uh, non-drafted players, a lot of them here with a point to prove. Uh, but Jimmy Butler, of course, is their, their shining light, and uh, so much of it revolves around uh, Jimmy and his shooting percentage, as was the case yesterday. Improved it towards the end, but wasn't good enough early. Yeah, that's always been a little bit of an Achilles heel, like Achilles heel for Jimmy. Not known for being a prolific shooter, he's just known for being just this, you know, this this guy who just grinds his way to to getting victories. Uh, a really unselfish player, a really good locker room presence uh, and you can see it he's kind of willed his team to something that they probably didn't imagine they'd be in I know that you know every team says you know we 
we expected ourselves to be here. But I think, you know, given what, you know, we went through in the, in the question before and how they've actually got to this point, I think it'd be pretty fair to say they maybe didn't expect to be in this position. But with someone like Jimmy at the helm, um, with just the playoff expertise he's had, he's had so much playoff experience with previous teams. Uh, I back them to get to the finals and and, um, and make some history. Whether they can, can beat the Nuggets, which I'm sure we'll touch on soon, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. And I think the Celtics, this could be a really big wake-up call because they've got Jason Tatum now about to enter a Supermax deal. They've got Jalen Brown. He made an All-NBA team this year, so he's eligible for a Supermax deal. So within just you know one season, they'll be, playing, they'll be paying $100 million between those two players. Will the Celtics actually want to pay that much every year? I think they've kind of got no choice if they want to continue being successful. Um, but, yeah, a lot of thinking to do, that's for sure. Let's just uh, go back a day uh, or two, and that is, of course, to Game 4, and that was between the Nuggets uh, and uh, the Lakers. Uh, Lakers at home, uh, you would have thought they may be able to find something special, but they just couldn't get it done. Uh, and now we've got this uh, it's almost Tom Brady-like situation with LeBron James saying, I'll let you know in the off-season uh, how I'm feeling about things. Knee-jerk reaction, obviously, obviously disappointment. Sun floating around with the possibility of an introduction into the NBA. How do you read this now that uh, they went down 4-0 and LeBron's on a bit of a downer? Well, I mean, when you're LeBron James and you're one of the most recognisable human beings in the world, you know how to control the narrative. And this is exactly what LeBron James has done. I don't blame him for if he is legitimately considering retirement. I don't blame him. But I think any NBA fan, whether you're a casual fan or a diehard fan, would know that LeBron James is not going to retire after going down 4-0 and getting swept at home in front of home fans. It's just not going to happen. He is nursing a pretty serious foot injury. He was supposed to be sidelined and have surgery, I believe, for like four to six months, but of course played through it. There are some theories going around. You know, some, some quite established writers have said that they wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, in quotations, retired, got surgery, healed his foot, took a whole year off, watched his son play college basketball, and then wherever his son gets drafted, he'll just, you know, play there for a year, have his farewell tour and call it from there. I don't I don't rule that out, but LeBron being LeBron and, you know, what he's achieved in this league and what he's achieved for basketball, you know, to become a global sport. And we wouldn't be talking about basketball on this radio station if it wasn't for LeBron James, is, is pretty much how I see it. So I don't think he's going to retire, but it's funny how, you know... He, this Nuggets team who are just criminally underrated in every facet of the word are just not getting any airtime because LeBron James has decided to just throw in a couple of little sneaky comments at the end of his press conference about potentially hanging up the laces. So it's pretty funny. And it's just funny how such a, a player of his magnitude can just control, you know, the media stories for, for days on end after getting completely annihilated in a series. Let's look at uh, the Nuggets. They have got to be the hottest of favourites going into um, the final playoffs. Um, and where you rate this uh, side, uh, coached, of course, by Michael Malone, um, who's done a terrific job with them. But, um, and he would not want anything to happen to uh, Nikola Djokic uh, in the next week or so. Uh, potentially, and I'm going to make a big call here, since Larry Bird, perhaps the most influential white basketballer, huge call and I respect that because I think it's a good call Smithy and again like the team as I say are criminally underrated so is Nikola Jokic that dude is insane he in that series against the Lakers he averaged 27 points 14 rebounds 11 assists he's a 7 foot 
player and he's averaging those numbers. It's, it's absurd. And he's such an unselfish guy, such a team-first guy. And, like, he is just, like, the, for any franchise, he is just the model player you want to lead your franchise on and off the court. And I'm sure, like you say, Michael Moyne would just be wrapping him up in bubble wrap for these next, you know, however many days. I think the final start in a week or maybe eight days' time. Um, yeah, I'm sure that they'll be asking to rub him up, wrap him up in bubble wrap for these times. But it's not only Nikola Jokic that's really making a difference. Um, Jamal Murray deserves some credit as well. This is a guy that's come off a serious ACL injury, pretty much didn't play basketball for two years. And in that series, averaged 32 points. He shot over 50% from the field, over 40% from three, and over 90% from the free throw line. Only 11 players have done that in playoff history. And this guy's just come off a serious ACL injury. All the mental tolls from that, which he's described in, in interviews, even the coach Michael Malone said in a press conference that when he got injured, he, he was bursting into tears in the bus and saying, like, please don't trade me, please don't trade me. Like, he... He was at that breaking point to then turn around and become this player and have this much impact in a series. It's truly remarkable. And I, I see the Nuggets taking this out probably in six games against either the Heat or the Celtics. Probably the Heat. Um, I think they're just, you know, there's no major flashy superstars in that team, which is cool to see because, you know, obviously the, the NBA is being controlled by this narrative that it's a superstar league and the superstars control the narrative. Yes, Nikola Jokic is a superstar, he doesn't want to be. He just wants to, you know, play basketball and then go home to, to Serbia for the summer and and just hang out with his horses that he trains. You know, he's just the most down to earth dude, who just completely dominates every player that that goes up against him. So I would like to see them win. I think they deserve it. They've built a really good culture and a roster over these last six years, and I think they have a really really good chance to do it. I, I you know if I look up a match up there with the Heat, I, I look at. I don't see uh, their bigs in uh, Bam Adebayo and uh, a very ageing Kevin Love. Uh, I, I just don't see them, even as a combo, matching it with him because he plays serious minutes as well, Djokic. Yeah, yeah, you put it uh, correct. Like the, I, I think Jimmy Butler will go against Jamal Murray and probably tone him down a little bit. You know, the Lakers don't have many, didn't have many good guards to go against Jamal Murray. Quite a lot of young guys, and Jokic was a bit quiet despite averaging a triple double. Didn't have like in the games three and four, like didn't have an amazing, like usual impact. He was in a bit of foul trouble too, probably because of you know Anthony Davis and LeBron marking him. You know, majority of the minutes he was on the floor. But you're right, there's no big there. Bam Adebayo is an amazing talent, um, but he's he's a lot. He's considerably shorter in height than Nikola Jokic. Um, that's always been a little bit of a downfall for Bam. He's a, a smaller big than than your average. Um, I think Nicole is just going to run rampant on this series. And even if the Celtics manage to create history and, you know, be one of 150 to, to break this, this curse, I just don't think Al Horford, who's an aging big, is even going to have a chance at, you know, coming up against Nikola Jokic. So, like I said, I see the Nuggets doing this in six, and I think it's a really good thing for the league to see a team that has been built on players they've drafted. They haven't traded for any big superstars. They've drafted these guys. They've built them up from the ground. I mean, Nikola Jokic got drafted in the NBA draft in, in the second round to the point where it wasn't even shown on TV. There was a Taco Bell commercial going while he got drafted. This is how underrated he was as a player. So to see it happening now so organically to, you know, potentially a championship title team, it's really cool to see for the league. With the big flop of the season for you, would it be the Bucks or uh, Milwaukee Bucks or would it would be someone else? Uh, yeah, it would be the Milwaukee Bucks for me, Smithy, um, especially with Giannis. The kind of majority say that he is the the most dominant player in the league. Um, 
it was a it was a shocker. And I, I guess the Heat, you know, they they found their groove and just completely demolished them in five games, which is that was probably the biggest shock of the playoffs so far. Um, I mean, the Sixers, you could you could put them up there too. And I mean, both those teams have, have fired their coaches, and the Suns too. I mean, coaches are just getting dropped like flies. Um, yeah, the Raptors too, put them out there as well. Um, yeah, I would say I would say the Bucks. I would also say uh, the biggest flop of the season is probably just security of jobs for NBA coaches. It's it's a bit of a shame to see, but it's the way the league works now. You know, owners come in and they want success immediately, and if they're not going to get it immediately, then the coaches are the first ones to blame. And the other one of of interest to us, of course, the general manager uh, position of Sean Marks is that. Is that a bit tenuous at the moment, you feel? From all accounts, um, from what I saw, it was obviously the Brooklyn Nets haven't really been in the headlines since they were swept by the Sixers in the first round. From all accounts, it sounds like his job's very safe. He's actually put himself in quite a good position now where he's got rid of the baggage of, of Kyrie Irving and, and they worked out a good deal with Kevin Durant and that was a very amicable split by all accounts. Uh, it sounds like they're going to keep him and he's got you know quite an interesting team here where the if he wants to keep them, they can definitely make some noise and probably win maybe 40, 40 to 45 games in a season. Um, but they've also got some really good talent that could be traded elsewhere and they could just start all over again and get some amazing future assets. So um, I think Sean Marks will probably be breathing some really fresh air, whereas there was a lot of toxic air going around in the last couple of years that he had to inhale to kind of just get through it. But um, I'm happy for Sean. I think he's done a really good job along with owner Joe Sy to get out of that mess. And... Um, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what they do this offseason. They've got Mikael Bridges, who um, is a really, really good young player. There's, there's word that he could be a trade piece because he's got so much value, but he also could just be the cornerstone of their franchise if they want to kind of, you know, build him up to be that. So I think it's a really exciting time for him to be a general manager in that franchise and, um, yeah, really interesting to see what, what comes of it. So in your situation too, George, uh, last time we spoke to you, you were having just a bit of a hiatus in terms of um, the butlers and, and uh, the music side of things. Do you, do you get a chance to go to local hoops? Not really, because I've got a 14-month-old son at home. That's the short answer to that question. But um, <laughs> I, I used to go a lot to Canterbury Rams games. Uh, I live here in Christchurch. Um, and it's it's so cool to see that they, they sell it out consistently. And... Um, I'm really, really stoked. I, to be quite fair, I don't follow the NZNBL as much as I'd like to, but I think it's in a really good place, and it looks like there's some really good competitive basketball being played. And, you know, shout-out to the Otago, Otago Nuggets side. Looks like they're playing some, some great ball with Sam Timmons at the helm. And um, looks like imports are really enjoying their time here, and we're getting some really high-caliber players here too, especially from G League affiliate teams, you know, with the NBA. So, um, yeah, to, to answer, I've given you a very long answer there, but I don't follow it as much as I would like to. Uh, I do follow like your club teams because a lot of my mates play club ball so sometimes I take you know, some mates or I'd like to take my son to go watch some games too. Um, and there's some, like, Even just the calibre of club club games is incredible. Um, yeah, and that's probably probably the best way to answer to be honest with you. I think um, I'll always root for the Rams because I used to do a bit of work for them back in my uni days so um, got a bit of a tie there but yeah, I, I'm really happy, and I'm sure a lot of people are too with the calibre of, of the NZNBL at the moment. Fantastic, George. Always great to catch up with you. Uh, so looking forward to uh, Game 5 tomorrow, but uh, the playoffs. Who against the Nuggets will be determined very shortly, but uh, I see the Nuggets being dominant here, and uh, one of the freaks, I think the basketball sporting freaks of the world at the moment, and uh, Nikola Jokic. And lovely to hear that he's uh, 
a horse trainer as well. Hey, George, fantastic. Um, great to catch up, mate. Uh, all the very best, and um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call you again soon without doubt. Thank you. Good on you, Smithy. Take care, mate. Yeah, cheers. Uh, George Berry there, folks. Um, the Butlers, yeah, the Butlers, fantastic. Uh, they are as well, having a, a bit of a spell at the moment, but they'll be back in action very shortly. Um, and, of course, uh, George, all over the NBA, all over it. Um, as you would uh, as you would expect, uh, he knows uh, plenty, absolutely plenty. Follows it very closely. It's eleven twenty here on SENZ. Uh, we shall take a short break. Uh, we'll come back with a sports desk uh, courtesy of Polaris and uh, Louis Herman Watt. Uh, we'll have a stump smithy around about eleven uh, thirty, and uh, Louis's playing today um, because I'm crap. And so Louis uh, will be playing today. So Brian's going to have to ask the questions and answer the phones. But he'll be doing that around about eleven thirty. SCNZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime 0800 150 811. The Real House of Fragrance. Izzy and Kempe. Weekdays from 6 on SCNZ. SCNZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Right, gets, uh, get across there, courtesy of uh, Polaris, of course. So many specials, field day specials to look into as well uh, with the good people there. Uh, Louis, what's uh, on the agenda? Yeah, very grateful of Polaris. Get up to $2,500 free accessories on Polaris ranges with those field day specials, as you mentioned, Smithy. Um, look, there's a couple of interesting stories that I picked out for you. We updated half of the IPL yesterday, so we better do the other half now. The Mumbai Indians, Mitch McLennigan will be a very happy man this morning, won't he? Because uh, the Mumbai Indians have obliterated the Lucknow Super Giants. Uh, 182 for 8 through their 20 overs, and Cameron Green, who I don't know if you saw this, took his helmet off and kicked kissed his emblem like he was playing for Australia uh, a couple of games ago. Well, he, he scored 41. Um, and the Super Giants only mustered 16.3 overs worth of a chase, really, and uh, Stoinis scored 40. So the Australians were on fire. Uh, and how's these? how are these for figures? Akash Mudwal, uh, my pronunciation is probably worse than orchestral there, had stunning figures of 5.45, Smithy. 5.45. Amazing. That, that, well, you just don't get that in any form of cricket, but in IPL in particular. Um, you know, because you get more hat-tricks in IPL cricket because people just can't afford to block a ball. You've got to go for it. But, yeah, five for five, quite outstanding. Cameron Green, big factor in the Ashes. Big, big factor in the Ashes. Battle, or bat at six for Australia, and he bowled quite a few overs to add to the balance of their side. Massive. Does he have every chance, off topic, here we'll get back to the sports desk in a second, but I'm curious, does he have every chance to be at a great of Australian cricket, especially as an all-rounder? Yep, I think he does. Uh, they, they haven't had too many great all-rounders for a long, long time. Specialist batsman. Um, I, I think if you class Adam Gilchrist as an all-rounder, um, as a keeper batsman, batsman keeper, uh, a lot of people don't put that in, they associate it with uh, bowlers, but I would say Adam Gilchrist is a genuine uh, all-rounder. 
uh, probably the greatest I've had uh, in a long, long period of time. And this, this guy threatens to be uh, a very, very good one. I won't say great, but very, very good. Fair enough. Uh, the IPL playoff schedule looks now looks like this. So Lucknow gone, three teams left. Mumbai now have to play Gujarat Titans. They are the defending champs. They lost against Chennai, Devon Conway and Stephen Fleming's Chennai yesterday. So they now play off to take on Chennai in Sunday's final in Aminabad. So um, that is what's going on in the IPL. But the, back closer to home. Now, I did not see this story coming, and I don't know why. But he is, he's a legend down south, isn't he? John Leslie. John Leslie's going to be taking over coaching Northland in the MPC, which I think is fantastic for Northland and I think for John Leslie because I know he's very well respected down there and he's had a deep association with club rugby. He's had a lot to do with the emergence of grassroots rugby and making sure that they are plenished and, and especially with the youth grades with Otago under 19s um, who clinched the South Island Championship, by the way. So he's a legend in his playing days. He's done a lot at grassroots level in his coaching time, and now he's heading to the other end of the country to get into a region that has a lot of talent and probably can knock on the door to contend at some level of MPC if they can just get it right. So I think that's a fantastic story, Smithy. I didn't realise that. That's news to me. Um, John Leslie, a very, very good footballer, played for Scotland. Um, you know, um, Otago, Highlanders, Scotland. Fantastic footballer. Uh, very uh, nice young man as well. Uh, I think uh, he's got a good rapport with people. So that'll be work. It'll be an interesting mix. I didn't see that coming, as you say, uh, um, me either. But I think it's a, it's a real uh, good positive in the coaching ranks. Really good. Yeah, I don't see it coming, but he, right, he he does have a he's got a great reputation. So um, that is what's going on in the in the coaching ranks. And I just would like to say, George Berry, what a fantastic knowledge of the NBA, blown away. I thought that was fantastic. Completely agree with everything he said. I thought he nailed it. It was wonderful. Yep, absolutely. Uh, he did across everything in terms of the hoops. Radio, uh, folks, it's time to dial oh eight hundred. 150811, 0800-150811. We're having a, a switcheroony today. Uh, I'm going to ask the questions. Louis uh, has uh, down there in Christchurch, so has no idea of what Tom's throwing up, doesn't even know the categories. But we invite you to call 0800-150811 and your chance today to pick up uh, a $50 bonus bet voucher from the TAB. Brian sitting, waiting for your calls, and uh, we'll be back after the news here with Aroha. A Saturday from 10am for The Deal, a one-hour special going in-depth on the historic agreement between the TAB and Entain on SNZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Right, uh, 11.32 here on SENZ. Yes, it's Louis' turn uh, to try not to make a fool of himself because I have in the, the previous three days this week. So here we go. Uh, we have uh, fifty dollars uh, up for grabs in terms of a bonus bet from the TAB. Brian, uh, who's uh, our first caller, please? So first up, we have Alan from Christchurch. Right, we're staying in the South Island. They've had a real treat this week um, with uh, no bias at all. But uh, Alan got through first, so uh, we'll respect that. Uh, Alan, good morning to you. Hi, how's it going, Smitty? Yeah, I'm pretty damn good actually. Uh, not me today. You're taking on, so slightly tougher uh, cookie to break. Through, I think, here uh, and Louis with his all-round knowledge. So uh, I'm going to offer you three categories. That's the way we go about it, Alan. You know the rules. Um, today yep. you can have a crack at football, 
uh, being soccer, football as such, uh, boxing, um, Joe Parker winning last night, of course, uh, or rugby league. Take your pick on those three. Alan? Uh, we'll go rugby league. Rugby league. Okay, right, here we go. Question one for Alan of Christchurch up against Louis from Christchurch. Uh, the Warriors take the Broncos uh, on at McLean Park on Saturday night, 7 o'clock. Can't wait. Round 13 clash. There are two second-generation Broncos in the team with coach Kevin Walters' son in the number 9 jersey. So can you name the father of the second-generation Bronco in the starting lineup this weekend? The father. Father. Oh, I've got so Kevin Wal- no Ke- idea. Kevin Walters is one, and this guy a legend, an absolute legend in the Broncos jersey. Uh, it'd be have a stab in the dark, Alfie Langer. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not Alfie Langer, sorry, uh, Alan. So Louis Herman, what you're looking a bit smug there? Who do you think? I hate to do this to one of my own, Alan. I'd induct oh, you in the Hall yeah. of Fame of this show, but uh, Wendell Sailor, I believe, there's a, there's a little a Sailor going around. Down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, absolutely correct, uh, Louis Herman. What there, Alan? Sorry about that. Yes, Tristan Sailor. Cool. Tristan Sailor. Depoo's at fullback. Uh, it's on Saturday for the Warriors. Of course, they've got a, uh, for uh, the Broncos. They've got a few players out uh, because of state of origin. So yes, Tristan Sailor. Uh, that'll be a uh, point of interest. Wonder if Big Dell will be uh, making a trip across the Tasman. Right, uh, let's go now to our second caller for the day. Uh, let's move uh, to Chiefs Country to uh, Jade from Hamilton. G'day, Jade. How's it going? Yeah, good. Pretty in this rough, mate. Yeah, yeah pretty damn good. Um, you happy with the you happy with league? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah is what it is, eh? Okay, let's ha- let's have a crack at this. I- I'm confident you might get this. Uh, Tohu Harris is uh, becoming one of the Warriors' best and we are all known he is from the Hawks Bay, so it's a homecoming for him. But the connections to the region go way back for the Warriors with one of the greatest Warriors and Kiwis players ever, born in Napier. Another Warrior, born in Napier. Can you name that player? One of the Iron Men of the side. No. Oh. Uh. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh my goodness. Uh, No, not Owen Gutenbeel. So, Louis Herman, what we go to you, and you're not looking as smug about this one, I think it's fair to say. I mean, you're going to. Is it. Is it. Is it. Is it. Howie Tamadi? No. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Howie Tamati, the Warriors. No, I mean, I just have... No, you're right. It's the wrong name. There's, I've, it's in my head. It's in my head. Kimpy told me we went there. We were going to go. He is famous as... It's not Howie Tamati. Of course, not Howie Tamati. Who is it? It's Simon Mannering. Simon Mannering. Oh? He's from Nelson. Yeah. No, he's he born in Napier. Born in Napier. Oh. Oh. Rightio, question three. Question three. Don't doubt, Brian. Question three. Uh, Jade from Hamilton, uh, you live. Rugby league has a deep history in Hawke's Bay, and in the 90s they had a team entered into the Lion Red Cup national competition. Can you name that team? Can you name that team, Jade? What was the name? 
The Hawks Bay Watts. The Hawks Bay Watts. Not the, the lion. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Rightio, uh, stay on the phone, Jade, because I reckon Louis Herman Watt has got next to nil chance of getting this right. Uh, Louis, what were they? The Hawks Bay who? Can I, just, can I have the question in full one more time, please? Oh, okay, whatever you like, Louis. Uh, rugby league <laughs> has a deep history in Hawks Bay, and in the 90s they had a team entered into the Lion Red Cup national competition. Can you name that team? The Hawks Bay who? Oh, who would know? Hawks Bay Hurricanes. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. So there you go. It's the Hawks Bay Unicorns. The Hawks Bay oh, Unicorns. Give me a spell. The team. Yeah, well, we might give you a spell or we might give you one more chance tomorrow because you are no better than I. No better <laughs> than I. In fact, I would have been better on those ones today because they related to uh, Hawks Bay and the local <laughs> questions. Of Did course. you know but that? Jade, here's the good... Uh, uh, Jade, here's, yeah, of course I did. Uh, here's the thing, Jade. You won. Congratulations. You are a winner today. Uh, stay on the line, and uh, uh, I think you've been a previous winner, but Brian will just confirm that uh, we've got your details, mate. Uh, have a terrific day. Thank you for taking part. Cheers, man. Uh, Jade from Hamilton there is our winner today. So 0-4 between us. We'll have another crack tomorrow. Uh, hopefully around about 11.30 when we'll uh, put another fitty from the TAB up for grabs. It's uh, coming up to 11.40 here on SCNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Have to say, uh, been one of our uh, busier days on the text machine, so we'll get stuck into them now, inclu- including yesterday as well, with uh, this Entane uh, proposition going through, of course, and uh, now the concern over the greyhound uh, industry. Um, but there have been um, uh, other aspects as well. In fact, we talked about Levi or more, and Tomo has come in and said, hey guys, I think what a lot of uh, these people crying about the islanders so-called being poached, they need to remember that most of these guys are actually Kiwis. Yes, they have Pacific Island heritage, but they see themselves as New Zealanders and they want to represent New Zealand and the All Blacks. And if they choose to go to a New Zealand franchise to progress their aspirations, I see no issue with that whatsoever. Uh, And neither do I. Uh, I absolutely don't. Uh, And it's just unfortunate that uh, the pathway to the All Blacks seems uh, simpler uh, through the Crusaders because the Crusaders, um, year after year, are the performing side. And that's uh, when selectors uh, start to look at uh, those people responsible for that. So I, I don't see that as uh, a bit of uh, much of an issue at all. But the problem is the, the one that, that's the depth, it's the next um, quality crop of players that um, it's the likes of the Highlanders need, uh, certainly Moana Pacifica need um, in, in terms of credibility there. Highlanders, uh, um, we, we talked about this often actually, they seem to be um, the last pick in the schoolyard, don't they? Jared says, um, good morning, chaps. Uh, Hall of Fame for the Crusaders. One guy should be there is the Professor Wayne Smith. If I recall, they were, the la- they were last in 96. The following year said about changing the culture, which is there to this day. I remember him saying in an interview they had to think about the wider region, not necessarily the city. A legend for me. So uh, that is uh, on the uh, induction there. That's uh, from Jared. 
Um, before Louis tips out orchestral, uh, we've had that one. Um, Ali, Ali Williams, Zach Guilford, Peter Alatelli, Alatini. Venture to say, won't be in the initial induction, I think, either of those, uh, none of those three. Um, someone said, what about a Ruffy Louis? Louis's been uh, working through the race book to try and find that. Um, we've also well, had... Um, actually, what? asked the wrong person because if you'd asked Smithy, he would have tipped you the winner of the first and we might not get more racing because I've got a track inspection going on right now, but the, the winner of the first, Sefton, trained, ridden by Jonathan Riddell, trained by John Barry, paid $14.80, Smithy. You kidding me? You know, I was. This gets me about trainers. It absolutely gets me about trainers. Is in the pub last night, sitting straight opposite. Last them. Any chances tomorrow? No chances tomorrow. Not a chance. Not a chance tomorrow. Not a chance. When's the first? He wants to come on the show. You know, he wants to have. He wants to have John Barry's five minutes of fame on this show. He's not having it. He's not having it. He wants to defame too many people. Saying, well, look, it's just not right. Uh, that's just not right. Uh, speaking of uh, not right, it's famous uh, famous person's birthday today um, in uh, Hawke's Bay, I can tell you that. Ivan Rousel. Ivan Rousel uh, is having a birthday today. Uh, he is uh, perhaps uh, the foundation of uh, the Loading Ramp Hotel. In fact, when he leaves, the building nearly falls over. That's how much time he spends there. So it's his birthday today, and we wish him all the very best. Um, and I doubt very much uh, whether he's going to do too much work today. Uh, not the ever does on the other 364 days of the year, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Kevin, Kevin from uh, Titarangi comes in. Morning, Smithy. I wouldn't have a clue about the greyhound industry. Kevin sends in uh, some really cool texts, uh, but have listened to all this morning. A big percentage shooting from the hip. Uh, Rosa was very good with his views and balance, but I think you hit it, Smithy, when you uh, they say... You've been asked to do something to, to correct and are still in first gear doing it. Second gear is where they need to be. Uh, okay, uh, Kevin, uh, yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. There's absolutely no doubt about it. They have to up the ante, according to Ken uh, and uh, They just simply have to get the job done quicker. And they are on watch. And what did he say to you? How thin? How thin uh, are ice on they on? And he said to you, Louis, it can't get any thinner. Um, Paul Vince comes in from Cairns in Australia. G'day, Paul. Uh, thanks very much for your correspondence. Uh, vet checks done before, uh, done pre-race for Greyhound's benefit or because of the threat of disqualification for not making money for all those concerned. Isn't it better to let your dog run because he wants to, not because he has to? That's an interesting point. Um, mm. Yes, very interesting point, um, actually, Paul. Uh, worth asking someone about. Might earmark that one for Rosso. Um, and because we want to get Rosso on. Uh, clearly work to do to clean up all sports industries, uh, comes uh, another text. Uh, our rugby industry, how do we treat a, a sport that constantly give massive high-grade injuries that contribute to our health bill? Well, you, you know, a lot of people would argue uh, about that um, in, in that respect, but it's certainly uh, the animal, animal welfare um, groups who are, who have pushed this, and they've pushed it well enough for it to become uh, a real, a real um, issue from a government perspective. Uh, Brian's come in and said that had uh, RTS Roger Tuivasa-Sheck been a crusader, he would be a more permanent All Black. Sadly, he was sent to the Blues, left to fend for himself rather than get taught the basics and how to make uh, his game more an All Black style. Interesting. 
So had uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek gone and played uh, under Scott Razor-Robertson, um, would he still be a rugby player and not going back to the Warriors? Uh, that, of course, is uh, very interesting as well. So thank you so much uh, for all those uh, texts that have come in. Uh, sorry, and uh, just a correction too um, from a texter to say, uh, sorry, and it's a total racing turnover. Total racing turnover. They are second. Uh, we're talking about the Greyhounds here. Largest code is offshore product does not does more than twice that of harness as an offshore product. Domestically, they are third. Um, but thanks very much for your information. Don't have to apologise for providing with uh, us with that. Uh, still a significant code, and the gap in the weekly calendar would be felt markedly so, uh, Louis. So um, you know, I think that's probably summed up where we're getting. Actually, um, uh, if you get a chance um, to look up some boys from '89. The Winfield Cup promo mint, absolute mint. I remember it. I remember it with Tina Turner. Oh, absolutely fantastic! The Winfield Cup. Of course, uh, no um, tobacco in sport these days. How long it will be before there's no alcohol? And where will they turn to next? It's coming up to eleven fifty-two, which means uh, time to check in with Staffy before he takes over at midday. <laughs>